0: you are listening to here comes a Sin podcast where you'll learn about topics related to career development improving money management and wellness i will cover actionable advice for the everyday hustler vamos con todo if you're ready to pursue your dreams and visions then you are where you need to be i will be sharing the most embarrassing moments difficult times and strategies on how to overcome your biggest fears Whether you're just starting college or joining the workforce or have your own business, you have a community here. I am your host, Marisol Ibarra, a first-gen graduate and professional traveler and coffee lover. Here comes the sun with new opportunities to become a better you. Well, 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 today we have a guest. Today we have Metzli Sanchez from First Gen Professional. Metzli, I am super grateful for taking time, you know, to chat with me and really discuss, you know, your First Gen experience with us. So let's get right started. Can you tell us uh, about yourself, your education journey, and a little bit about First Gen Professionals?
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Marisol, for having me. I'm really happy um, to share my experience as a first-gen student and now a rising first-gen professional. So to begin, I was born in Mexico, but I was raised here in the U.S. in Southern California. I began my journey in community college. I senior year of high school was really confusing for me. There was a lot going on in my personal life. And I didn't really have the finance, like the finances and just the resources and the knowledge to just go straight into a four year. So although I did get accepted, I decided to start off at my local community college. So I did two years at Rio Hondo College. I was very involved. I found a passion for immigrant rights and the immigrant rights movement and so I started volunteering with Chirla and my passion and interest just grew from there and although I wasn't sure what my long-term goal was in terms of a career I just knew that it was going to be social, social justice centered and then fast forward I applied to transfer and that was a really completely different experience and I was really happy to, you know, have this new opportunity to now transfer and be able to experience dorming. And so it was just a really beautiful experience. So I ended up deciding to go to UCLA. And I actually just graduated this past spring, 2020. Um, and it's been, that is another crazy story because I did graduate, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. And there was a lot of uncertainty that came because of COVID and a lot of my initial plans had to change. But yeah, that's where I stand. I studied sociology, and I also studied public affairs. I was able to do my independent research on housing insecurity. Coming from community college to UCLA, I noticed that housing insecurity is something that people don't often associate to college students. It's it, like, people know that it's an issue, but people don't often see it an issue in education. And to me, seeing others close to me struggle with that problem, it just made me want to do something about it. And so I began conducting my own research. I began getting involved and just looking into ways that we can advocate and ways that we can better support students who are struggling with having um, safe housing. Wow, you
0: did so much and I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your story about a transfer, going first to community college. I've shared many times that community college is a great start and you don't just because everybody else, you know, maybe in your high school is going to a four-year institution, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fit for everyone, but I really really appreciate, you know, you sharing the fact that community college is is an option and it's an option for for everyone and I'm curious you know when you were a senior that you were like you know what I'm just gonna go to community colleges what were the factors that contributed to making that decision
1: so to be um you know completely honest and vulnerable this is something that I I do feel comfortable sharing and I feel comfortable sharing because I know it can uplift maybe anyone else who's going through it but like many undocumented immigrants, I found out my senior year when it was time to apply for financial aid that I didn't have a social security number. And this was before getting DACA. And so it was just a really hard time, like grasping and just fully understanding what it meant to be undocumented. I always knew that I wasn't born here, but I didn't know, you know, like where I stood in terms of status. And I didn't really understand how it would limit me. And so my senior year, um, when I had to ask my mom for all that information. And, you know, she like broke it to me and, and told me. And so I was really upset. I was angry. I was frustrated, I felt discouraged, because my high school didn't really know how to support me and didn't really give me like the proper tools. And so I thought, you know what, I might not even get any financial aid. So what's the point? And at some point, I even just considered not going to school at all and just Like taking a break. But I had teachers who noticed, you know, that I was going through a hard time. And so they reached out and I told them, I shared with them and they told me, don't let that stop you. Like, there are other resources out there. You can apply for the California Dream Act and you could still get financial aid that way. And community college is an affordable option. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really want to. I didn't really see it that way, especially because at least in my high school, they always encouraged us to go to a four year. So I did have that stigma um, about going to community college, but it really seemed at the time like the best option for me. And, And it truly was, I don't regret any of it. I'm absolutely happy with the choice. For me, community college was a place of growth, a place of also healing, because I was able to connect with the undocumented student program there, um, they call it the Dream Center, but I was able to meet people there. I was able to just fully just get to know myself more. I know a lot of people say like, oh, you get to know yourself more in college, and I and I do think that that happened for me. And so it was a really beautiful experience. I got to work as a tutor, so that was my first official job. I also got to um, work closely with professors who also were the ones who then encouraged me to apply to UCLA.
0: I have no words. Like, I just, I'm impressed by, you know, how resilient you are. I am just, I don't know what to say. You just, you know, you went through so much and you still, you know, continue to push yourself. And, and, you know, you were like, this is not going to stop me. I'm going to continue my journey. And I know many times you felt like, oh, how am I going to figure this out? And then it adds the barrier of, you know, your parents not, being able to, to, to help you. So I really admire you for everything that you've been through. And I know that you are going to continue to, you know, to continue to grow. Um, I also wanted to go back to sharing a little bit more about your community. You know, you, you mentioned so much growth during community college. And I just really want to know how, if you can go back to like that first week of, of going into community colleges what were you feeling what were those like you know like were you nervous were you because many times um, a lot of students don't know how to feel because it's just such a huge transition so do you have any tips for those students that are going through that
1: yes I remember I used to be really shy I used to not be able to do any public speaking whatsoever I used to like sitting in the back but Again going in from high school to community college I was still really very upset about finding out about my status and so I think I started off sort of on a bad foot like I wasn't really too happy to be there um I felt discouraged but try to like stand up and say you know what this is a clean like a clean slate a, a brand new opportunity no one really knows me here no one has to know about what happened in high school no one you know it's just a fresh start so I began putting in the effort in school again I began um, putting in that time to try and study and get the highest GPA that I could but one tip that I would give um, for anyone who chooses that route or for anyone who's thinking about going back to school is to not be afraid of rejection not be afraid of taking that risk and taking that opportunity because the worst thing that could happen is, you know, one door closes, but it's not the only door. There are plenty of other opportunities. And I think oftentimes we're really set on thinking, Oh, well, this is the only chance. This is the only opportunity. And sometimes we like, we're we're too hard on ourselves thinking that that's the only chance we have when you know, there are plenty of other doors. So for me, Going to a four-year straight out of high school was a no, but going to community college was a yes and then transferring. So that's one tip. Another one I would say is to understand that your journey is so unique and to enjoy every single step of the way. And that can be really hard because as a first-gen, you're going to come to see that there are so many barriers one of them being imposter syndrome, one of them being maybe the only one in your family to really like pursue education and you know having to explain to your parents why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Um dealing with the stereotypes and the statistics and all that. Um it can be a lot, but I think definitely, you know, enjoy the journey. Don't compare yourself to others. Everyone you know has a different progress everyone's growth looks different
0: yeah i can completely agree and i really appreciate you know those those tips can you tell us a little bit about you know first gen professional and what this platform does because i know that your current role is the creative director
1: yes so valeria who is the founder of this um, network of first gen professionals she introduced you know this term to me, like first-gen professional, because I've always heard of first-gen student, college student, or first-gen citizen, but never first-gen professional. And so she explained to me how, you know, when you're in college, it's sort of a term that a lot of people use, and it's a shared experience, and it's something that um, many Latinx—not and not just Latinx, but many um, minority groups experience— and she just, you know, we just talked about like the different barriers associated to being first gen. And then she mentioned that a lot of these barriers or new barriers arise once you're in the professional world. And at the time I was still an undergrad, I was a junior going into senior year at UCLA. And I did have some work experience, but I'm really thankful for my internship at UCLA because it was it was a really good experience. There was a lot of diversity. I had an incredible boss and mentors and femtors and coworkers who really supported me. And so that was a really great experience, but you know, you do hear often the experiences of other first-gen professionals where they are in a toxic work environment where they are a minority, where they have to deal with like microaggressions or Like the racial battle fatigue, or just the stereotypes, or just the inability to like move up to get a raise to move up in positions. And so, when she introduced this to me, I was, to be quite honest, I was a little upset to know that you know these challenges carry on. I thought, oh, you know, once you graduate, you sort of like entered the safety net because you have your college degree, but I came to find that the reality is that, you know, the, the first gen struggles don't end in college. They carry on into the professional world. And so, with first gen professionals, I feel really blessed for having this position and being blessed in being able to meet first gen professionals who have been in the workforce for like 10 plus years, five plus years, who are able to share their experiences. And it's just uplifting not only seeing them do what I want or what I hope to do one day, but also having them not just be an example, but also being able to step back and help me. You know, I think a lot of times people can be gatekeepers and that's why you're not able to see more people like us step up. And so it's been really empowering being able to network with these professionals and have them give me their wisdom, have them share their experiences, and just being able to connect. So we do have meetups, we have workshops, we're really trying to build this network. And it's been a little difficult because of COVID. But you know, the virtual, like online, zoom, all that has been really handy these past few months. Yeah, thank you so much. I've had the privilege, you know, to
0: connect on different workshops that you that you have all hosted. And they've been such a, a pleasure. I think one of the one I attended was about, um, you know, imposter syndrome. And I yes. think that was such a great conversation, just to hear different people from like different, I guess, periods of, of time in their career, you know, just about how they dealt with situations and then not feeling alone is such a relieved to know like, hey, I'm not the only one experienced this. So I'm really, really grateful for, you know, for for you and for value for creating so much great content for all the first gen professionals. So um I do want to talk about I really want to go back to a little bit about, you know, you are a recent graduate. You graduated class of 2020 in a year of a pandemic. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about how what things did you have to do to pivot because these changes were huge. Like I am a first gen professional now a rising first gen professional and my work has changed dramatically since the year I started to now, like things have completely changed. So please tell me how you had to pivot when you were in school. Did you change like, I don't know, maybe some of your habits um, or anything that you would like to share and any tips for current students that are currently in school and it's, really hard you know to go through their zoom zoom fatigue is real
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> let me tell you it's been a crazy year so to begin um I believe I was in winter quarter when they announced that um, all the UC campuses were closed so with my worried mother <laughs> pressuring me to go home and move back to to her house I ended up just packing all of my things out of my apartment, and I permanently just came back home. Um, But with coming back home, you know, I I told my mom, you want me to go home, but we don't have Wi-Fi here. We don't, I don't have my space to, like, just be alone and study. And so it's been, I remember it was a really tough end of winter quarter and a really rough spring quarter, because I do have a lot of siblings. And so, They had the typical, like, class at 8, and then they were done by 2, and my classes were a little spread out all over the place, but I also did work from home, so I was on Zoom sometimes from 8 a.m. up to 7 p.m., not all days, but there were a few, at least two days of the week where I was on Zoom all day, so it was a little rough. I definitely got into a lot of catfights with my siblings, but... We were able to like respect each other's time and just sort of, we created like these little rules between each other, or we would let each other know, hey, at this specific time, I really need you all to just be quiet, please. And then, yeah, we would just take turns basically. And so one thing that was different now was that we had Wi-Fi at home for the very first time. I had always gone to the neighbor's house really quick to do homework assignments Or I would go to coffee shops. But, you know, with the pandemic, everything was closed. So it really forced us to now add this new bill. But thankfully, I was able to keep my internship and work from home. So I was able to now provide that. And I mean, it's it's needed. It wasn't at this point, it wasn't like, like my mom would say, un lujo. It was a necessity. So that was one thing. And another thing that really... Impacted me was that I had applied to a really competitive fellowship at NYU. And so it was a pre law fellowship, and I was really excited. I felt really confident, but I think it was around March I got an email where they let me know that they were just going to completely cancel the program. And so it was really upsetting because I really did already plan. I, you know, I had my entire like rest of the up to the summer planned out and I was already, you know, set to go to NYU for the summer and get that experience that I needed. Um and just also travel for the first time to the East Coast, but that had to change. I was really upset and disappointed, but I think these hard times have just taught me to keep looking for other opportunities to be resourceful. And just a reminder too that you know we are resilient. And that other amazing opportunities can come up. So I'm still, you know, I still have those goals of soon applying to law school and pursuing a legal career. Things definitely took a drift, but that goal is still there. Wow, I know that can be super, super devastating just because
0: as first gens, we have all these goals planned for ourselves. Like, you know, our parents are like, ¿Y qué vas a hacer de la ¿Ya un or, like, these mm-hmm. questions that we don't even know, you know, we're figuring out by semester to semester. So, I really, you know, applaud you for, for saying, you know what, like, I know what I want to be. Like, I know that I want to go to law school, but maybe it's not right now, but it can be, you know, it can be next year or it can be two years from now. But, you know, with this experience that you're gaining now, you're just. You are a true, true, true role model for for many people, and I kind of I'm curious to know more about you know your social justice and why do you want to go into that route? I know that you did mention that you interned with Chirla. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience and how you know your upbringings kind of made you go more into that pathway?
1: Yeah, so definitely, you know having that firsthand experience of being an immigrant myself and, you know, seeing how much the law truly impacts your life and, and seeing, you know, certain opportunities being taken taken away from you and not having, you know, that safety and constantly, like, living in uncertainty of not knowing what's next, of not knowing, you know, when is immigration reform going to happen. And so that really pushed me into not just being an advocate for myself, but being an advocate for my family members, because I do have family members who share the similar experience. I have very dear close friends of mine who are also undocumented or who their parents to this day have not been able to get citizenship. And so I think that for me, it was, you know, that firsthand experience, but also, you know, this sort of anger and disappointment that I had because, again, I did go through a phase where I did let myself, you know, be angry um, and felt sorry for myself. But I, I made that choice to not, you know, be stuck in that situation and do something about it. And so I began doing protesting and canvassing and really trying to understand the way politics work. And, you know, the structure and, and like practical things that I can actually do. Um, and it's it hasn't been easy because, again, this is a topic that, yes, I'm passionate about, but it's not just a topic to me. It's my life. It's my experience. It's something that does affect my everyday life. But something that I've been doing more recently is, yes, advocating, but also taking care of myself, you know, practicing self-care, practicing self-love, connecting with my loved ones and not just seeing each other as just our status because a lot of the times we let that, you know, consume us and that's sometimes all you see yourself as but you're more than your status. You're, for anyone else who's, you know, dealing with this, I just want to tell you that, you know, you're resilient, you're human, you're allowed to be upset, you're allowed to be angry but you're also allowed to be happy and to find joy in the small things and it's been very difficult but i i do have hope and you know it's gonna take a lot of work but i do believe that we can make a change yeah
0: i can completely agree with you with everything you said you know it takes so much courage to be in a position of you know wanting to to move forward with you know immigration laws and going into law school which is another crazy hectic idea but it's so worth it because I for most of my undergraduate career I was thinking I wanted to go to law school but you know you come through different experiences through college that you get to do other work and there's work for for everyone but I do want to go back to the self-care and self-love because that's such an important topic that we in our Latino households we don't really talk about we don't really talk about you know taking time to feel sorry for ourselves so tell me a little bit about how you know how you started you know making that time for yourself how did you start you know showing up for yourself and and taking time
1: yeah so I think that at first I I tried to you know convince myself that I was okay and I just started adding a lot of things to my plate and yes it kept me busy but at the end of the day, I still felt like this disappointment or, you know, this like emptiness inside. And so it really just took a lot of time and it, it, I let it, you know, get far to the point where I was having mental breakdowns, where school was becoming overwhelming and I just wasn't feeling like myself anymore. And so that's when it really hit me that I needed to take care of myself. And if I could go back, I wish I would have, you know, done something sooner about it because, I did go through a hard time for a couple of months. For me, journaling has always helped me for as long as I could remember. I think I was 13 and I had a Hello Kitty journal. And I would just start writing um, about my day, like anything exciting that, help, that happened. And that has always helped me reflect and also just keep track of my growth because during these past four years, I was super hard on myself and super hard to the point where I wasn't realizing, you know, the small steps, the small growth, the small progress. And, you know, those happy moments, those like small victories, those wins. So looking back and reflecting on what I had written a few months ago really helped me. And um, aside from that, I also found a love for plants. So I do have, I'm trying to quickly count them in my head. Um, I think I have about 15 plants right now. And I absolutely love them. Um, I love taking care of them. And whenever, you know, for a plant to grow, you need to nourish it. You need to feed it. You need to take care of it. And so that's kind of a reflection and a reminder for me to also do the same for myself. And so I always like to think that, you know, we're, we're like plants. We need nourishment. We need love. We need watering. Um, we need to be poured into so that we can pour out and give back.
0: Oh, such a great, great analogy. I think I, I'll i be honest. I don't have a really good hand with plants. Like <laughs> I, I need to learn a little bit more. But I think, you know, that what you just the example you just provided is so true you know we need to give give water when it needs water we need to nourish it just when it when it needs it so i think that's just such a great reminder and i think going back to the journaling question i am also a big journaler i love to write down all my thoughts i usually like love to journal in the mornings and then in the afternoons just to see um you know sometimes we don't like, our small wins, we, we don't really celebrate them. But when I journal, I do tend to see those small wins. And, and I'm like, you know what? Like, this was a huge accomplishment. But then, like, you know, cause just because we also live in such a fast-paced life, we don't we don't take that time. And I don't know, when I was at Cal Poly, I was in a quarter system. So everything was just going extremely fast, extremely overwhelming, trying to figure out how to like advocate for myself, my financial aid, I was having problems. So I think journaling really helps you to like sit down and have more control and like really see what makes you happy. Because in such a fast paced life, we tend to lose, you know, sight of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then I do have another – I know that you're a big fan of, like, self-development. Do you have any tips for a first-gen student that is currently, you know, in school right now and, you know, is having a hard time? Do you have any tips? I know that you did experience, you know, your last um, couple – I mean, quarters uh, in UCLA. Um, do you have any tips for them of how do they – how did you plan or how did you overcome, you know, these
1: barriers? I think one of the most helpful tips that or just like advice that I would give anyone is I know it can be maybe overwhelming because, you know, you just had a long day of class or a long day of work. But making that effort to attend those networking events, making, you know, the effort to attend that workshop, because a lot of a lot of the times there are a lot of great free resources out there that your own university can provide or, you know, on social media, and, you know, it, it is the extra work. Sometimes, you know, I've sat before, like, on a Sunday, I was in a book club um, the other weekend where, you know, I could have stayed in, I could have um, watched Netflix or, you know, done who knows what, but I, you know, just took one hour, I wrote it down on my agenda so that I could make it happen, and I just sat there and we talked about books, we talked about journaling as well. And so I think a lot of the times people don't see attending workshops as a self-investment, but I think that it's one of the best self in- self-investments self that you can make, especially, you know, if these are free, especially if these have to do with career development. And it also just gives you the opportunity to network with people who maybe can potentially later offer you mentorship or, you know, employment opportunities. So. Um, that's one tip another one I would say is to reach out when you need help I know oftentimes being first gen you figure things out on your own and sometimes you know we don't want to ask someone else because we're so used to doing it on our own but there are certain things or certain times where you struggle more than what you should have (laughs) you give yourself like unnecessary stress unnecessary headaches where you know, you could have just asked someone for help and they would have helped you. And, you know, you wouldn't have had to go through that stress. So I think, yeah, reaching out for help when needed.
0: Yep. Those are really, really great, Um, you know, advice for for our current students. And then also that's something that just came up to my mind is go to office hours. I know that it can be super intimidating in the beginning, but I know office hours can be very helpful. And then you're able to connect, you know, with your professors. And then maybe later um, they can help you with the letter of recommendation. Um, did you, when you were at UCLA or at Rio Hondo, did you go to um, office hours?
1: Yes, I definitely did. I had a sociology professor um, who I connected with and she was actually the one who, introduced me to a lot of pre-law fellowships and internship opportunities Um, and that was just simply from you know going to her office hours and her asking me what are your goals and at the time I you know I felt some type of way towards like a legal career but I wasn't really sure so I just like briefly mentioned it and like within the next few days I got a lot of emails from her with these opportunities that she knew of and so It's really great. So that was at Rio Hondo. And then at UCLA, when I conducted research, I did work with um, a faculty advisor, and now he's going to write me a, a letter of recommendation. And but this is also just, you know, a professor who I deeply look up to and, you know, someone who's just making it out there as, you know, a first he's also first gen. And so that's like one of the reasons why we were able to bond.
0: Yeah, and I think you bring such a you bring such a great point because, you know, sometimes oh when I was in college I thought my professors were like, you know, this they were like way, way, way high than me that like I was kind of intimidated and scared to even ask a question because I would kind of question myself like what if I ask a dumb question or like, what if they think that I'm not smart enough? And it was just like this fear of like not wanting to ask them. But then once, you know, you start going to office hours, you start to realize like, you know what? They are also human. Like they also make mistakes. And if I have a question, it's going to show an interest. But in the beginning, it was super challenging, you know, to go to office hours and like make that time how you said it, make that time to to dedicate and really you know seek that mentorship because professors are there to help us you know to to make us you know for us to grow for us to you know be become better and and enjoy our you know our, our time at, at in college so yeah I can I can totally relate I did have a couple professors that were really really helpful and that told me about these about these programs that if I I totally did not know about them until like I told them what were my goals, what were my plans. So for anybody out there that is, you know, like intimidated or scared, I really, really encourage you to, you know, seek, seek go to your, to your teachers, to your professors and for sure try to attend the most of office hours. And I know right now it's kind of like virtually, but I really, really encourage everyone. So to finish up, I do have a round of couple fast questions that I really like to have my guest answer. Um, so what is your favorite book?
1: Ooh, I <laughs> would have to say The New Jim Crow.
0: Oh, great book. Good one, good one.
1: Um, what
0: is uh, your favorite drink? Coffee, iced Co- coffee. <laughs> iced coffee. And I know that, you know, when you did the... IG live that coffee it was a was a pumpkin yes <laughs> oh my god it looks so good so if anybody that has not watched that IG live it's on first gen professional so you can watch it and learn how to make that delicious recipe <laughs> and then another one what is your favorite uh like self-care activity that you're like I would never get tired of doing this, this is
1: just really helps me it makes me feel centered I have a few and I can't really pick between the two but um I would say painting. So I do like to use acrylic paints um and just paint flowers or I usually paint plants too. <laughs> um and then also just shopping for new plants and also just maintaining my plants. Yep. It looks like you are you have so many plant
0: ideas and that's so super nice that you can, you know, take time to just Spend time with your plants. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last one, what is your favorite meal? Like, tu comida preferida?
1: Oh, that is (laughs) so hard. I would have to say mariscos. Mariscos? Like, are you like
0: more of ceviche or like camarones a la diabla? Or like, what's your favorite?
1: I like a good cocktail de camarón and a good fish ceviche. That's hard to find. Or aguachiles too. Those are so good. So good, so
0: good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I I think, um you know, you provided so many great tips, you know, for our first-gen graduates, professionals, or students. So I really, really appreciate all your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marisol. Thank you so much for joining me this week. To view the complete show notes and a recap of today's podcasting tips, visit Here Comes the Sun underscore podcast Instagram page. Wait, wait, but before, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they release. You can either subscribe right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Lastly, I do have a quick favor to ask before we go. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you'll let me know. I love reading through your reviews in Apple Podcasts, and if you have a minute to spare, i will love to read yours too. Please let Apple know that great listeners like you enjoy our show and that it helps us expand our reach in search results. So it really does make a difference. Thank you again for joining me, Marisol, on this episode of Here Comes the Sun. I'll see you next time.